You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the We Are Libertarians Daily Show. I am a guest host on the show. My name is Hody Johns. I am joined by a regular contributor on the show and Paul Copeland. Paul, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Good to be with you. Man, great to be with you, too. One of those voices I've oft heard but never collaborated with, and so this this should be fun. Um, Paul and I have actually decided to do something kind of fun for the We Are Libertarians Network. We're actually going to address tough questions that libertarians get regularly. Paul, that was actually your choice. What makes that kind of like a fun choice for you to get into? Well, I always like answering questions for new people. I think it's a valuable thing to do. Um, and quite frankly, I see it out there sometimes, and I don't think that it's done great by some other contributors uh, to the libertarian talking space. You know, I got to agree, and most of the time it feels like a deflection or avoidance of the issue, um, especially the one that we've got for you today, which is who speaks for the trees? Libertarians get this a lot. If we just say, let the free markets decide, we automatically assume that the environment is just going to go to garbage. And I would contest that in a libertarian world, almost exactly the opposite is true. In fact, I would say that the libertarian position is probably the only tenable position on environment right now um yeah and that's that's a very good point uh something that a lot of libertarians do is they say we will let the free market decide and that doesn't answer the question for a lot of people sitting on the sidelines who are well what does that look like they're looking for those free market solutions and we just hand wave and say the magical invisible hand to the market will take care of everybody. So the question becomes, what do those free market solutions look like? Yeah, I mean, Adam Smith, great economist, but it's not like you want to trust him with things like the environment and that type of thing. And uh, there's more to libertarianism than just the free market. There's other positions that we have. So I think uh, this will be a good one. Now, we're going to start off with something kind of easy, and uh, this is that, surprise, the government is not actually doing a good job on the environment. So... I'm going to give you the libertarian answer on how we improve the environment in the second part of this episode, but we're going to start with the kind of easy stuff. What is government surprise doing, uh, doing badly with? So, uh, their main, their main branch, of course, in dealing with the environment is the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. 
Um, and according to Investopedia, they have five major programs. And I'm just going to break down the five programs piece by piece. And you tell me if when we're said and done here, if this sounds like, oh, we're, we're in a great place with the environment. So let's start with the Safe Choice program, where companies basically pay to get a sticker on their box. And it, this is kind of the more chemical component. We'll get to the Energy Star program in a minute, but the Safe Choice program is for, for um, like chemicals and saying the, these ones do good chemicals, these ones don't. Um, according to their own words, <clears throat> companies that manufacture Safer Choice products have invested heavily in research and reformation to ensure products line up on the greener end of the health and environmental spectrum. Which is a really classy way of saying you've paid a lot of money and invested a lot in green energy. We'll go ahead and give you a sticker on the box, but that doesn't actually tell us anything about the product, does it? No, uh, you know, honestly, this looks like an absolute nothing boilerplate statement. That uh, line up on the greener end of the health and environmental spectrum. You know, there's a very wide spectrum there. What exactly does that greener end look like? Right. You gave them money for green research and technology, but that didn't that doesn't say anything about your product, and it doesn't mean your product's green. I mean, I assume that obviously you've used the right set of chemicals and th things that they approve of, but the qualifier for it is that you've invested heavily, what they say, uh, in these type of products. I mean, wh what do you think that says about maybe a small business who is actually providing a, a an actual greener and cleaner product? Well, yeah. I mean, if you invest nothing in your green product and it's 100% renewable resources going into it, you don't get the sticker. You might be investing into something that's highly polluting, but you know, they've cut that down from an even more polluting uh, alternative that they've been investing in. To me, it it's a feel-good label that accomplishes nothing that the end consumer should actually be concerned about. Right. I mean, so that, and I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg here. So, so part two here, the Energy Star program. This is another sticker on a box program. Uh, this one, <laughs> in 2010, the Government Accountability Office, the GAO, submitted fake products, products that weren't efficient, non functional products, and they actually managed to get them certified with the Energy Star program. You've probably seen it. It's that blue thing when you're buying a new fridge or, or a light bulb or a microwave. You know, it's got that blue yeah. Energy Star on it. Um, as a result, they hired some laboratories to conspire with them, but the studies themselves are still not public. Only the results are. And even by their own measure, only 5% of these certified products – or I'm sorry, 5% of these products still fail the test. So, so I mean, there's got to be a better system for, for, figure, for, getting the, for getting a sticker on a box, right? Well, yeah, I mean – Again, if they're able to pass through products that are like completely designed to be as inefficient as possible and it still gets an Energy Star logo on it, then, you know, what's the point? The Like, I have nothing but Energy Star products in my household and all of them are rated to run under, I'd say, probably... 
three hundred, four hundred dollars a year total. Nice. And yet my uh, electric bill is still hundred bucks a month. That's well over what I should be paying based upon the estimates here. So the <laughs> uh, the practice isn't isn't matching up with the policy. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I think that if you spend any time like actually researching some of the claims uh, given under the Energy Star program, that it's not going to ever measure up to what their estimates are in actual use. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, so these are these two programs we buried. Third here, we got the WaterSense program, which is hilarious. So if you look up the WaterSense program online, which I encourage you to. By the way, any of these stats that I'm saying, I'm part of the Wall Research Team. You're going to find them in the show notes. I'm not uh, talking out of my behind here. I really do. Uh, th- these are these are numbers that I can back, and you can look up. Uh, the WaterSense program utilizes promotional partners who endorse and publicize the program among their constituents. Well, that one just blatantly says you endorse the water sense program and will say your water sense certified. And yeah. I mean, that's quid pro quo right there. And what, but what does the water sense program actually do? So <laughs> this is, and, and that's a perfect question. This is probably more insidious than anything. Look it up. It is pretty much the Emmys for the EPA. They open an envelope, they give you an award. This is this is saying and the winner for the best toilet in 2018 was they open it up Home Depot and everybody claps and you get like an award. This isn't even like a sticker on a box. This is just fame. And this is oh. that doesn't even help the consumer at all. So so what you're saying is uh we are libertarians could get water sense certified. Uh, if we utilized promotional partners and endorsed and publicized their program enough, then yes. Uh, I do believe they give out the award product by product. So it's saying the award – like you have to have like a sink in the business. Oh, well, <laughs> the, we, the Wall Studios is filmed right next to the Wall uh, sink. So <laughs> we do use water program products. Uh, the – wall studio coffee maker you know <laughs> i i think we should we should uh get on board with the water sense program here you know i i mean i'm feeling a little award light my trophy room is a little uh little uh vacuous i could use a bit <laughs> could use a, a bit of a beef up there um okay so we'll look mo- into that yeah so moving away from like labeling and award programs we have the smart growth program and i am not even kidding i'm going to read this goal here the goal is quote to make our communities more attractive, economically stronger, and more socially diverse. Uh, did I miss something about, let's see, economically stronger, more attractive, socially diverse? Where's the environment part of that? Oh, well, if the communities look good, obviously the environment must be good, right? Oh, that, that's got to be true. I mean, I've been to New York. It's, you know, the buildings are beautiful. That's got to be a really... The environment oh, must yeah. be fantastic there, right? It's 100% green, isn't it? You know, <laughs> they have a park. So, so, so what are the and we all know Madison Square Gardens is just the most environmentally friendly park ever. There's oh no, yeah, there's no garden is there, right there so. in the name, right? <laughs> um, so, so, so a question that this specific 
one leads me to. Just having gone over those four programs, if people pay to enroll in these programs, why are taxpayers funding these programs? Well, uh, don't look behind the curtain, citizen. (laughs) You know, no, uh, all of these uh, programs should be, well, one, should be proven to have efficacy in order to continue. Uh, And two, they should be self-funding through the certification applications. Well, they say they've got efficacy. Right. Okay. I mean, I mean, I don't know that we have a, a way to prove that, but but they say that they're that they're ethical. Well, the efficacy should be is immediately questioned to me by the uh, studies that, while they haven't been published, uh, show that the Energy Star program amounts to a label that you apply for and get. And the, uh, I mean, smart growth programs, I don't see how you can objectively have an environmental goal when your goal is just to make communities more attractive and more strong. And so I, I do have to question, what does social diversity have to do with environmental protection? Right. And it's not that we are opposed to social diversity. This is a typical thing. If you question why the EPA is does, does it, they'll, I mean, won't, isn't the natural argument immediately what you don't like social diversity? You don't want attractive communities. You don't want, uh, what was the other one? Econo- economic strength. I no, I want all of those things. I just question why this program is under the EPA and what it has to do with the EPA's goal. You would just want the experts to do it, right? I mean, this is this is saying we're going to send our best, uh, you know, we, we, we play baseball and we're going to send our better, best hitter to go play tight end because he's a really great athlete. And then they'll say, what, you don't want, you don't want a really great athlete at tight end? And you just say, no, I just, I just want a tight end at tight end. Yeah, but... So, so uh, yeah, I mean, moving on to the next one. This last one is one I want to spend a good amount of time on here because it is particularly insidious in my mind here. The National Pollutant Discharge Elimination System. Okay, so th- this is about uh, pollution in waterways. And it says elimination is in the very title. <clears throat> but it does not force companies that pollute the water to stop. So this is from their own sep- uh, website. Uh, this is a quote. Do you... Do you discharge pollutants from a point source to a water of the United States? If so, you need an NPDES permit. Now, I checked to make sure there's no typo there. The, the question barely even sounds right. But this is saying, hey, if you're going to pollute the water, you need a permit. It's not saying don't pollute the water. Uh, who gets the money from that permit? What does having a permit do to help the environment? Well, so a scheme like this is generally set up so that you get the permit and they come in and they do testing and they see what you're putting into the water. Uh, An actual system of environmental protection would, I don't know, stop you from putting the pollutants in the water instead of just 
finding out what they are? Yeah, I mean, let me put another bullet in your gun here, Paul. Uh, According to the EPA, about 40% of rivers and lakes in the U.S. surveyed that are controlled by the EPA are too polluted for swimming or fishing. So what kind of job are they doing to, quote, eliminate pollution in the water? Well, Hody, I mean, you small vision... You know, <laughs> without the EPA, that would be 100% of the waterways and rivers of the U.S. being too polluted. We're sa- we're preventing 60% of them from being too polluted for you to go skinny dipping. So that's so, – so that – and believe me, nobody wants to see me skinny dipping. But believe me, that is uh, – so, so maybe the EPA is doing us a favor in that, in that regard. But uh, <laughs> but this is this is their own numbers, and this is among rivers that, and waters that they control already. So this is this is one of those they could say, oh, you know, 40% are too polluted. We, we need more power. We need more expansion. This is under their current jurisdiction. 40% of the rivers are too polluted to fish and swim in. The Clean Water Act in 1972 was inspired by the Cuyahoga River in Ohio. This is very typical politics right here. That bill passed, and the pollution remains untouched. In fact, it is still the fourth most polluted river in the United States. So this is we're, – we're going to pass a law to grow our power, and we're not actually going to use that power like we should. Um. I mean, you can probably think of a few times. This is this is very typical government stuff here, right? Let's we need to fix this. Let's get this passed, and then nothing's fixed. Yeah, and you know, that's where efficacy has to enter into the discussion. Do our current solutions, our government mandated solutions, actually have any provable efficacy in solving the problem? that we're trying to combat. Sure. Sure. I mean, and it's a matter of transparency. It's a matter of accountability. I think it's saying, we're saying we did our best job, is what they're saying. What we're asking is, did you? And can we see? And can we prove that? And they say, well, our numbers say we're doing a really good job, and we think we're doing a really good job. Um, my last point on this this this. This year is, according to Project Earth, our most polluted river in the USA is the Ohio River. The AK Steel Corporation is responsible for almost the entire amount of pollution. And the problem here is that they pay their permit. So there's nothing we can do about it. I mean, they're, they're pay- they've paid their permit to pollute that river. So there's nothing that libertarians or, I mean, just the citizens along the river, we have no leverage for us to do anything because they pay their money. That sounds like extortion. Well, what it is is a license to get away with uh, putting your negative externalities out onto other people at the expense of other people. And in libertarian thought, government is living, in many ways, is living at the expense of other people. This is just a much more blatant example of how that's accomplished. 
So let's move away from how government does bad. Let's talk about the libertarian solutions for this, because I would consider myself somewhat of a greener, more of an environmentally friendly person. I don't like litter. I don't, you know, I want to crack down on this type of thing. So, so let's start with, with some of these. First of all, property rights are a very valid solution to this problem. If you find videos of homes along the bayou with rotted fish washing up on the shore for with pollution, trust me, you can find them. Out of New York, I mean, I mean, Larry Sharp has made this a huge point of his campaign. You'll see unknown sludge wash up on these shores of, of citizens' lawns from companies that have paid to pollute. Uh, California sees small stacks that are pretty much just aimed at people's homes, all but aimed at people's homes. In the libertarian world, no one's allowed to damage, destroy, or affect your property without your permission or some kind of agreement with you. Yeah. So respecting property rights is perhaps the number one way we would combat this in a more libertarian society. Uh, people who pollute along or pollute a waterway are going to have to answer to the uh, to their neighbors downstream. Like if I'm not allowed to enjoy my riverfront property, then I'm going to be finding a way to extract the uh, lost value there out of my neighbor. Yeah. And pollution is a direct violation of my right to uh, enjoy my property. Right. This is an expansion of rights in some way that I think you would see the Ohio River cleaned up in a hurry if all of a sudden, instead of paying the government, the AK Steel Corporation had to pay Every single person whose businesses, whose lives were, were are affected, whose property values are affected by polluting that river. Um, <clears throat> I mean, even if you're okay with a little bit of government, you got the minarchist thing here. Shouldn't that money from these permits just – I mean, just as a matter of fact, shouldn't it be going to the people instead of to the government? If you know, I'm paying a permit to pollute and wreck other people's property, wouldn't it make sense that money go to the people as opposed to go to the government? Well, direct payments to the people or a program that actually reduces the impact on other people. Uh, if we're going to be paying for a product such as environmental protection, we should actually be able to see how that product pans out. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, and the libertarian solution is to, to you can't affect somebody else's property at all. So, so, I mean, that's my first choice. But second choice is even if you believe in some type of government control over this, it's not being done correctly. You know, the EPA is just taking money in, in exchange for letting you damage somebody else's property. N next question here that we get is, is someone going to pave over the Grand Canyon? I mean, knowing how paranoid business owners are, their property being, being damaged, do you think they just allow someone to destroy the Grand Canyon, destroy land that they paid for? I have a scientific study about this, but let me get your thoughts about it first. No, no one is going to pave over the Grand Canyon. No one's going to destroy natural landmarks just because they want to like, okay, so what is the point of the Grand Canyon? The Grand Canyon is a landmark because it's a beautiful scenic view and people want to go see it. Mm -hmm. If somebody privately owned a section of the canyon, why would they purposefully get rid of its main value? It's not near anything interesting other than itself. 
There's so, no benefit to destroying it. Right. And your common sense tells us something that science will back you up on. So this is from Science Direct. This is the study I was holding back. Privately owned parks continue to proliferate worldwide. Their rapid expansion represents an important yet little understood private sector incursion into an activity long dominated by governments. We interviewed owners of 68 parks to learn about reserves underlying economics. Key findings include one, private parks require an expanded definition of optimal reserve size, one in which quality of protection takes precedence over quantity of land protected. Two, profit was a powerful motivator behind private reserve operation, even though many owners did not rely on their reserves for revenue generation. And three, an important non-market value of private parks was the highest bequest value owners placed on them this this study i mean there's some complicated words here but these private parks are being better taken care of than our public parks does that surprise you not in the least uh just from personal experience my family owns land here in indiana that we we take some lumber off of occasionally but other than that it's it's there for nature it's entirely a privately held park that no one else is allowed on, so don't ask. <laughs> and my personal experience is going to back you up on this one because I'm a park goer. Like I said, I'm, I'm into the environment. I'm into nature. This is one of the things that led me to libertarianism, not to be scared of libertarianism, is protection of these type of lands is not being done well by the public. Um According to let's see here, thestreet.com, there is 100 millions of pounds of 100 million pounds of litter in our national parks. To those who frequent national parks like myself, that's not a surprise. You look at the graffiti, the trash, the cigarette butts. I mean, use diapers sometimes. Just driving along the roads that they pay for, you're like, this is a dump. And then you'll go to a private park. For me, it's Arizona, uh, out in Arizona, where you get to drive your car through and and look at animals, and it's just pristine. And I guess common sense just backs up what science tells us. Yeah, I mean, if you are competing for people to come to your park over all of the other national subsidized parks or any number of other privatized parks, then you're going to deliver a better product, which is going to be a more pristine, more natural environment. And it... It just makes sense. So if you're an environmentalist listening to this podcast, I mean, this is just – I've got one more point to go over here. But th this is really our selling point here is, is there's a lot of fear of the free, mar free markets and private property. Those things are pro-environment and not anti-environment by a matter of common sense, and science also backs up that common sense. Um, last point I have that I just wanted to bring up real quick. It's the Aaron Brockovich case – then versus the Flint case now. So this is so in 1966. This is before government control in 1972. Um, I'm going to give a brief synopsis of what you might already know if you've seen the movie. But the Pacific Gas and Electric Company dumped 370 millions of chromium-tainted wastewater into unlined wastewater. It mixed with the regular water. People got sick. Values decreased. Obviously, <clears throat> they had to pay 740 million dollars to clean it up and fix the problem. They paid another 295 million dollars to settle these cases, okay? So that's, we had a private company mess up and that's what happened. That's over a billion total dollars in fix up. So remember that case, 
And then let's go to Flint, Michigan, which occurred with the regulation in place. This is post 19, uh, let's say 72 when they, when we had the regulation. Parascientific studies found that everything was, you know, the water was gross, a little bit different in that it was the lead in the pipes and not like somebody dumping it. But either way, like there was a company that, that was responsible for those pipes, right? Since January 2016, Flint's residents have been instructed to use only bottled or filtered water for drinking, cooking, cleaning, and bathing. They are instructed to do this until the water has been fixed, which is estimated to, to, to be completed no sooner than 2020, the year 2020. They're still supposed to bathe with bottled water in Flint, Michigan. The legal doctrines of sovereign immunity, which protects the state from suit, and official immunity, which in, Michi- uh, which in Michigan shields top uh, government officials from personal liability, even in cases of g- gross negligence, resulted in nearly no lawsuits being filed in the Flint case, and, ca- and it caused large national plaintiffs' law firms to refuse being part of the case. So you've got one case where we had somebody pay a billion dollars to between people and cleanup to fix the problem. And now we have no dollars and the problem's not going to be fixed until they're getting ready. Yeah. So the, uh, the doctrines of sovereign and official immunity are huge reasons why you cannot trust a government agency to take care of these things. The lack of incentive to, beyond your best behavior, the lack of liability shields people from the consequences of their actions, which is another reason why you'll see in state and national parks crumbling infrastructure and, you know, a lack of maintenance, whereas I'm just thinking of, say, Clifty Falls State Park here in Indiana. The conditions for some of these walkways up and down the hillsides are completely unsafe. But it persists like that. A private owner would have to have that fixed immediately. Sure. I mean, I think anybody who's ever hit a a pothole in their car understands exactly what you're talking about. Try to get that money from the government. Try. You know, the uh, try to get them to, to own up to their problems. So we are we are running out of time here. And so I'm going to I'm going to sum up here. That was that, I mean, that was the coverage of most of my points here. I'm going to leave you my final thoughts and then I'm going to let Paul do his here um, as well as let them know what you're up to, where they can find you on social media, that type of thing. I am just going to say this is what big government has got us to a place where we can't force them to do the right thing anymore. It got us to the opposite of our goal. So when we talk about small government, we're not talking about letting the environment go to crud. We are actually talking about protecting it better with a libertarian solution. So just remember that. You know, if you're already a libertarian and listen to this podcast, you know, I hope you learned something today. I hope this is this is information. Don't tiptoe around the environmental subject. If you are arguing with a big government pro-environmentalist, the numbers, the facts, and the common sense are 100% on your side and not on the side of whoever you're arguing with. Uh, Social media, you can find me at Hody Johns. My name is H-O-D-E-Y, last name J-O-H-N-S. On uh, Facebook is my primary one. That's probably where you want to talk with me. Um, I'm part of the We're Libertarians Network now, so so feel free to visit me there and on the – web page and I'm I'm sure saying about anything to uh, 
to me and I'll have something to comment on as well as Paul. Yeah. Uh, you know, come join us on the discord. Uh, the link is on the, we are libertarians website. Uh, that is where I am most active. Uh, other than that, you can look me up on Facebook. I'm adding a lot of libertarian faces to my Facebook friends list. Um, I'd be glad to have you. There you go. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today, guys, and you have an amazing day.